Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Pondervision, an MCU discussion podcast. I'm your host Charlie Ashby and I'm once again joined by my marvellous co-host Ash Jefferson. How's it going Ash? It's it's going really good. I saw a Marvel movie like three days ago. It was a good weekend. You did? You saw Shang-Chi? I Legend did, of yeah. the Ten Rings. How was that? It was really good. We'll, we'll talk about it eventually. It's just with, you know the state of the world that it is right now i know um unlike what most um filmmakers seem to think there is a pandemic going on <laughs> um which is crazy right? how dare how dare i not be able to watch i needed to i just needed to watch shang chi i couldn't watch it on my laptop i needed to watch it at my crappy local movie theater where the projectionist never puts the settings right and there's a screaming child next to me the entire time like that, I need the sanctity of that experience to be. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a fake movie if you watch it on your phone. Now, what you really should do is go and watch Wonder Woman eighty four on the biggest screen possible. Because because everyone knows that that cheetah sequence is the most realistic comic book m- moment of all time. I think it yeah, made Michael Jackson cry. did she say the true true excellence can't oh yeah. legendary greatness i was like it's legendary greatness super pretentious Le- legendary greatness yeah it's any Lynch. descriptive term that is used for what indiana jones tries to find <laughs> it's like what i don't know what she was going on about it's crazy stuff you know movies on streaming of course can never live up to legendary greatness unlike what we could expect from wonder woman 1984 sorry i'm being super petty but i was no, it's, it's fine. I remember when I watched Casablanca on my iPad and I thought, this is so shit. <laughs> what an awful film. No. Just to clarify, God. that's not my official opinion on Casablanca. You can find out my official opinion on my uh, letterbox account. Uh, but, jo- <laughs> but joining us today, we have a very special guest to join us and discuss the first four episodes of Marvel's What If. He's the lead editor of the Imperial Senate podcast. It's Ben Mormon. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing fine. It's uh, excited to get down into this discussion because this show has got a lot to talk about, uh, as the, even in just the first four episodes that we've seen of it at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, when we discussed how we were going to do like the recording for What If, because usually with the other shows we would do like one per episode. Um and for this one, we were like, oh, we'll, we'll build up. We'll build up a few of them and then discuss them all at once. Because there's not going to be too much to dive into, especially because they're like one part each. And I can't believe how wrong we were <laughs> about that. Um, there was a lot to dive into in this whole big um Yeah, I feel like we show. might have made a mistake, so we'll see how this goes. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe this is the, this is, this is the universe where we made the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> And then both of us are just going to end up in our own separate uh, weird orbs floating in the middle of nothingness while the watcher just looks at us uh, with a disapproving <laughs> look, you know? 
<laughs> I actually got that in high school. It said they're most likely to end up in a giant orb in space crying mm-hmm. over Rachel McAdams. To be fair, though, I'm always crying over Rachel McAdams. Um... <laughs> Again, I, I defer back to my other judgments with the certain character decisions, which is that I too would break the universe for Rachel McAdams. Does that make me a bad person? Nope. Maybe. No. I don't know. No, I respect it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Should we? Should I? Maybe we should talk about what we think of it so far, just kind of in a general sense before we get into each episode. That's oh. a great. That's a great idea. Um, ben, what what were your thoughts so far on the show? Um, well, I, I guess we can kind of tackle like bits and pieces. I think the like the overall level of acting in the show is pretty good. Um, I think some of the you can tell that some of the MCU actors aren't as familiar with like voice acting necessarily, poor, and so they're Sebastian Stan. Yeah, <laughs> oh my his his is the one that was like, "Ooh, this is your first time in a voice booth, isn't it, Mister Sebastian Stan?" Sorry about this, um, but yeah, I, I overall, I think the voice voice work is pretty good. I think you can definitely tell that, like for instance, Samuel L. Jackson is very familiar with the scene and knows exactly what performance to give. But um, overall, there's not been too many like bad performances and the roles that were recast that you know they they found really good replacements for the actors who weren't able to be a part or weren't willing to be a part of the show you know however that ended up working out behind the scenes um i think the animation of the show is that's the part that's kind of caught me off guard because i'm not usually a huge fan of 3d animated shows that try to look like their 2d animation but this show manages to pull it off fairly well most of the time there's every once in a while you get kind of an awkwardly staged shot where the where like the characters aren't looking quite right but for the most part it actually looks really good especially during like an action sequence uh and i'm sure as we'll talk about episode four specifically fantastically animated like front to back Mm -hmm. so um but yeah that animation is good voice acting is pretty good the scoring is very good like overall presentation of the show kind of take took took me off guard a little bit with how how high quality it is like front to back you can tell that they're definitely putting uh they're definitely putting a lot of effort into the show um a lot more than i think a lot of people were expecting them to because it's an animated show in the first MCU associated animated show. There's obviously been Marvel cartoons before, but never one directly associated with the movie franchise like this. So I don't know if people really knew what level of effort to expect, if that makes sense, but it's definitely surpassed my expectations on that front. And I think it's been for the most part, the thing that surprises me the most is how, um, how I've been like, oh, that is a cool premise whenever they're mm-hmm. like introducing the whole what if thing. Like, cause we knew some of them. We knew, okay, what if Peggy got the super soldier serum instead of Steve? Right. What if T'Challa was Star Lord? But episode three, the entire time when they actually finally revealed what was going on, I was like, that's actually really clever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. episode four, which is my favorite so far, I was the entire time I was like, yeah, this is totally, I buy every, I buy all of this. You know, there mm-hmm. hasn't been one where I was like, I don't think that character would do that. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like I thought I thought episode four was just such a good example. I was like, oh, this is that you actually like get Stephen Strange's character, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Everything so far has been like way. This wasn't like high up on my things of, uh, that I was excited about, uh, mostly because like we. <laughs> We had like WandaVision and Loki and all these things to like be like 
like get excited about um but i have been so like pleasantly surprised with how good this show is so far um like i said i love the premises that they've been setting up for each episode the voice the voice acting is for the most part pretty good um and just everything from like the score to the visual presentation everything has been just great so far so i really like this show yeah i agree with both of you i feel like i always love the what if comics and i think the reason why they work so well is that fundamentally at their core the reason why you read them is because you do care about the characters so if you don't get the characterization right it doesn't work like you can put t'challa a star lord but fundamentally he has to be t'challa still um Mm. and that does affect the way that things happen in that universe and i really do appreciate how much they've put faith in like the storytelling and the characters themselves and the whole world building around it um because like you you made a great point as well like uh, ben by talking about how marvel have done shows in the past like animated shows mm-hmm. but animation has never been marvel's strongest point like the classics no. sort that's of, always um, been the, that's always been the thing right it's like marvel can't make as good as uh animated properties as dc can right? exactly that's a yes. thing i've heard for years and like the most fondly remembered animated projects for marvel are stuff around either spider-man the x-men or like occasionally there's an avengers cartoon that people that like. one avengers cartoon that people right. like. right <laughs> yeah of my heroes right yeah it, yeah, which isn't uh, which isn't bad, but it's no it's no like Batman the animated series, you know. Yeah, it's it's, not... it's it's a good Avengers cartoon, but you're right, it's not it's not Batman. It's not even Justice League Unlimited levels of good. No, you know. And yeah, like it, it's one of those things where not only have we not really had a great Marvel animated show on that level. Again, like I love, I grew up with the '90s Spider-Man, with the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, even the 1990s Iron Man cartoon, which I know we all love and respect mm. and you know the hulk cartoon <laughs> shout out to that one episode where he works with ghost rider um <laughs> i just but there's something about one being pleasantly surprised that this is good in terms of an anime show but also like you said it's an mcu property it's not like an mcu knockoff where like they've put the marvel studio stamp on it and then like kicked it through the it's door it's not like that avengers assemble cartoon where like Ugh. all the avengers mm. were modeled after the actors <laughs> Right, yeah. and and like all of them feel like somebody trying to do like an MCU, but they either don't a they don't understand the character motivations from the MCU, or they're they dumb it way mm-hmm. down because it's a, just a cartoon for kids. So, just and ends up being a waste of time. Hopefully, Spider Man won't be played by a um, <laughs> child of, uh, offender. Is that yeah, that's a legal term. For that? <laughs> I have to be careful here, um, mm-hmm. or predator, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I was really pleasantly surprised by the way the show looked. The voice acting, again, that was my biggest issue with the trailer. It was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about certain voice actors and how I'm going to feel about certain people taking on those roles. Been pleasantly surprised. The people that have come in to replace the main actors from the film was brilliant. The guy who played Tony Stark, you could barely tell it was a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who plays... Uh, Steve Rogers, Skinny Steve, was so mm-hmm. fantastic. You can tell it's I, not Chris Evans, but he gets the soul of the character. 
I believe, speaking of Spider-Man, I believe it's Josh Keaton who voiced yes. Spider-Man in at least a few of the cartoons and games. Yeah, in um, Spectacular is it, Spider-Man. Is it Tom Holland in this? Do you know? We don't know. I think the idea okay. is, I think it, it's not going to be, but we'll see tomorrow. I think there's a mm-hmm. few voices where I was like, I didn't think they were going to be in it. And then they Because I wasn't and... expecting Rachel McAdams mm. to actually be... There. Yeah, like the the Doctor Strange, <laughs> this Doctor Strange episode had like all of the actors from the Doctor Strange film in it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they had any of the. Like, I think it, it was Rachel McAdams, it was Benedict Cumberbatch, it was uh, Tilda Swinton, and it was Benedict Wong. I'm pretty sure. So, like, it had the full cast there. One thing I didn't yeah. know until I looked up for I was doing research for the show um, yesterday, and I was like, oh my god! So in episode four of What If. If, what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? That news report that details uh, that Doctor Palmer has died. That's the journalist from Iron Man One and Two, Christine Everhart, mm-hmm. played yeah. by the same actress. Oh yeah, and she went back and did an Ant Man thing too. Yeah. Did like an interview with Ant Man. I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's how you can tell this is an MCU property where they're like, we're just gonna throw a little like. Little little teas, little 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 bits, little familiar faces and voices at you if you if you're paying attention. And that's what's great about it is that this what if it is is the perfect opportunity to reuse those characters and ideas. And the multiverse in general is there to open up doorways. Like I know when people are saying, "Oh well, after Endgame, you can never have Tony Stark back," and that's like, no, you can have Tony it's not Stark entirely back. Entirely true, <laughs> but it and it and it doesn't undo the sacrifice that our Tony gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adds- well, yeah, it's like the same thing with it's the same thing with Loki, right? Like Loki in the show is not Loki that we've been following for mm-hmm. ten plus years, but it none of that stuff that happened to Loki is diminished in any way from the Loki show because it's a different. It, I mean, it's essentially a different person. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, it's yeah. it's also kind of darkly funny that Tony Stark shows up in episode three of What If and and dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah immediately. immediately shows up for like two minutes and dies yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure there's going to be at least a couple more episodes with him later on down the line it's just it's just it's just kind of i don't know i mean we know there's one where he's um uh killmonger saves him right right yeah like we saw we know that in the trailer they've, yeah we've seen that in the trailers but who knows when in the season that's going to wind up being what yeah. the context of that is so absolutely um, well, why don't we go through each episode one by one um, and see where we go with our talking points. Yeah. So the first Happy episode, Carter. yeah, the first episode of this season was what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Um, I think for me, what well, I, I really liked the episode. I think if anything, it's the perfect introduction for like what if as a concept for new audiences. For the premise, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it, it's not groundbreaking. It's not that, like I, I saw some people complaining that. This is just basically the first Avenger with a reskin. I'm like, well, yeah, that was kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very straightforward storytelling. There's not like a real major twist until you hit like, even even the twist in this in the episode isn't that dramatic. Like Red Skull dying isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not really that. It's like the main thing is just kind of like you're right. It's the main thing is just proposing the idea of like what if like one change to the story and how does that affect the way that the, that things play out? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, I I really like this episode. I think I think Haley Atwell in general, um, really cares about Peggy and really understands Peggy because mm-hmm. she's been playing the character for ten years, and she's always at least to me she's always been game to come back for things, you know, and play that character again. And she even got her own show because people liked her portrayal of the character so much. Right. Um, A show that it still isn't on Disney Plus for some reason, as far as I'm yeah, aware. Yeah. I uh, no Agent Carter is okay. Good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think she just like, she completely laid into it. And it was great. That moment where she's like kicking, uh, a bunch of <laughs> Hydra soldiers asses. And she's just like, did you see that? <laughs> and she's like throwing the shield around. I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. This is, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. And the fact that I really like the fact that she is still very much, you know, she would have been into Steve regardless of what he looked like. And mm-hmm. I thought that was super cute. Yeah. Well, because it's like the the same thing. I, I like that because it, it kind of gets back to what we know about Steve from the main MCU, right? Where the most important thing about Steve isn't the serum. It's not like him being a super soldier. It's his heart, right? And mm-hmm. that's ultimately what she's attracted to is the is the man he is, not necessarily like him being a super soldier or anything like that. And I really dug the fact that Steve, even if he doesn't have the super soldier, figures out a way to like help with the, right. the, the Iron Man. Well, not the Iron... It's a Hydra Stomper, but the Iron the Iron Man suit that Steve is in. Um, right. And I thought that was really... That was really great. Because it, it did this thing... I think people might have been kind... I don't know. There might have been a tendency to like... like. I mean, this definitely happens in episode two where you realize T'Challa would be a much better Star-Lord than Peter Quill ever could be. Yeah, I've got um, thoughts on that. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do too. But this this episode did not like trash Steve to make Peggy look good. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it showed that Steve was very much still important to her character and the person that she was and still important to like the fight against Hydra, you know? Yeah, she and was like, she was like cornered by a bunch of people, and then Steve came in with the suit and took care of it. You know, I also want to point out the fact you were saying about Steve wasn't just the serum, and that's not just in terms of his power set or why he does what he does, but also the love between Peggy and Steve isn't based around the fact that he's like she didn't go, oh, he's ripped now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I fancy. No, you now. she was definitely interested in him before in in the. In the main MCU timeline, she was definitely interested in him before he got the Super Soldier Serum. Absolutely. You you, you get to have your cake and eat it, too. Mm -hmm. I truly truly relate to Skinny Steve being stepped on by giant Hayley Atwell. Please make this happen, (laughs) universe. Maybe there's a multiverse where that's happening to me right now. Good for him. Um, Yeah, I I really like this episode i i i've said this before on the show i'm a really big fan of the first avenger it's one of my favorite um marvel films and i really like the way that they replicated that sort of feeling and formula with the old sort of old timey world war ii vibes um and everything makes sense like the way that the timeline diverges makes sense i saw some people go mm-hmm. well how comes there's an iron man suit if tony's the, the one yeah. exactly it's the like entire there's... the entire point of like Howard's meaning in the first <laughs> second film is that it, like I can't get to that point yet and I can never get to that point it's up to you it's like that's right. what it, this whole thing's about like so yeah it's ridiculous but um everything yeah transpires based around those decisions and really 
I think it's really cleverly played. Pa- uh, I think it's really cleverly paced and predicted, like what, everything that's been mm-hmm. written down. The timeline's supposed to be crazy. It's it's also interesting. I was looking at like the behind the scenes stuff for the show is wild because it's like they throw so many ideas at the wall and see just what sticks in terms of what will Disney allow, what will Kevin Feige allow, you know, all of these different like balls that get, get tossed up in the air. Apparently, according to Brian Andrews, one of the creators of the show, they originally in the original scripts for the episode, the Rocketeer was in it. And oh, wow. the Rocketeer was going to be one of the like one of the people with Steve and Captain Carter, like at the end, towards at the end of the like basically one of like the group, you know, of soldiers that's that one helps of the Howling Commandos. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but Kevin Feige raised the point that it's like, well, the Rocketeer gets his abilities from Howard Hughes. So do Howard Hughes and Howard Stark both exist in the MCU <laughs> at the same time? Oh boy. <laughs> and it just it's it's like then you then you get to the Val Kilmer and Batman Forever point where it's just like it just raises too many questions. Like you, you at some point what if is cool, but when you start mixing in that kind of stuff, you know, yes it is a Disney owned property, so I'm sure they'd probably be oh, be fine getting the you know, the rights to it, but you just got to kind of, at some point you got to go, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like... the tendency with making something like this is to go as absolutely crazy as you can. But part mm-hmm. of the reason why I really like this show so far is that the premises have been one thing. It's not like, what if Ben Parker was Galactus? <laughs> like... Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. I want to watch that though. <laughs> we'll save that for season three. That's an actual what if comic, I think. I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not, but. Okay, this is the thing. When you say, what if Ben Parker was a Galactus, I feel like everyone's general assumption is that he is a planet-eating god. No, I think he he's Galactus. So he is the planet-eating god. But everything transpires the same. So he sleeps with Aunt May, has the, you know, like, and then adopts Peter and gets shot by, like, when he falls over. It's like, he's just so giant. It's wow. just that he's Galactus. <laughs> his car gets... <laughs> His giant car gets kidnapped by this like tiny burglar <laughs> with the blonde spiky hair. Um, that's my that's my opinion on that. What if episode? Um, yeah, like there's so much cool stuff you could have introduced. Like you could have had like an Indiana Jones reference, but if it draws your attention away, it's just yeah. It's just not worth. Yeah, it. you just don't you don't want it to become gratuitous, right? Just exactly. because just because just because the rules are looser here, you don't want to go too wild because that takes away from like the premise of whatever story you're trying to tell. And I think if it's like working in context, it can be in your favor. Even small things can be in your favor. Like I was like really happy Betty Ross appears <laughs> in the series, and that mm. was like the low bar for me. And they, they jumped over, and I was like. Yay! <laughs> that was me happy for the rest of the episode. Um, it was so weird seeing Mark Ruffalo. Oh, we'll get to that. Mark <laughs> Bruce Banner. With Sorry, no I, we'll have to talk about that when we get to episode three. But... No need for <laughs> violence, Agent Romanov. Continually tired. I'm always but... angry. But I like I like that they have managed to restrain themselves so far, so that nothing that happens. I feel like the the inherent problem with something like this is if if you go way too far out of the lines, 
then you can <laughs> then people could just be like that makes no sense whatsoever well, right. everything it's, so far has been like no this tracks this makes <laughs> this makes so much sense yeah you it's, know? it's a weird parameter though because when we say don't go too far it depends on the, like the contextual like it's weird there's a weird parameter because it's both safe and not safe like we're saying it's safe in terms of of course you shouldn't just introduce india jones and have han solo appear but at the same time we had an episode where the hulk blew up we had an episode where the avengers yeah, the were same, killed i think the i think the difference is all of those things are like with the characters which is the end of the day like why the mcu is, is, is as successful as it is is the characters right exactly like yeah. i believe hank pym would do that <laughs> you know <laughs> it's not like so far out of the lines of like what i know about the character mm-hmm. that i would be like he'd never do that yeah, like exactly. no i i buy it a hundred percent that hank pym would do something like that which um I think that's also why this first episode is important because it lays that groundwork with it, where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, with if Peggy from the main MCU got the super serum, you can believe that she would act the way that she does in this episode. It follows this, the line of the character directly from point A to B, even if it is a quote unquote new universe, it sets that that like foundation of believability because, you know, the characters already. Yeah. Absolutely. And even in, we can move on to episode two now, even though the the T'Challa one, where you find out, like, (laughs) you find out that Thanos is now a Ravager. Right. There was never a second where I was like, oh, no, that's ridiculous. I don't buy that. I'm like, no, yeah, if T'Challa was at the right place at the right time, I wholeheartedly believe that he could convince Thanos to knock it off. Right. Because that's just the kind of person T'Challa is. There was actually a debate about that. I saw a few people online who... A bunch of people were mad about it, I know. Couldn't but... push their bro. I don't think it's necessarily like... I don't think it's just a dude bro thing. I feel like there, there is some people like... I, I, T'Challa's great, but I don't know if you could push that further down the path. Like, it, 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 I, I personally, I'm, I was fine with it. But I do think it's interesting that that was a big, like, hmm, maybe mm. that's too far. But I feel like, you know, if anyone could do it, T'Challa could. Yeah, I think it was fun. I think it was fun just having Thanos there and everyone being around and being like, "That's genocide, dude!" And he's like, "No, no, no, it's not genocide." <laughs> right, <It's> random. <laughs> well, and it's like it—it it reminds me how, of how many people, like between Infinity War and Endgame, in the like there was that window of time where everyone was like, "Is Thanos really the bad guy, though?" And it's like, "Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yes." And also, how I feel. All it shows as well is how strong of a leader Thanos was. And, like, he... Because like, by himself, he's not exactly that powerful. Um, so it was interesting. And I thought it was really cool to see the Black Order at their, like, most powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Black... And how, like, tearing away from the Black Order, they just found somebody else to follow and they found the Collector. Yeah, who got ripped. How do you what know? The did, who, did Benicio del Toro like pay Marvel or something? <laughs> there was, there were, there was a few moments in this episode where, well, first of all, Benicio del Toro is incredible, and I'm glad they got him back for this. Yeah. Two, he sounded like, like there were some moments where he sounded like, um, as Morgan from Rebels. Uh huh. Yeah, a little bit. He's like, he's like, oh, Karina. <laughs> I was like, oh God, like yeah. he's this big bulky. This big bulky collector, and you know, as as all well and good, T'Challa was in terms of fixing the galaxy. 
a lot of dark stuff still happened. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure, yeah. The Avengers were killed, apparently. Um, Hela, so God knows what happened to Asgard. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of makes you wonder kind of what happened to Earth off screen in that, like, yeah. timeline. Because it can't be disastrous unless, like, Wakanda were like, we're just not getting involved. <laughs> Everything else is destroyed above this one little spot. Well, and, and that's where that's where it's like, how did Wakanda, like, ostensibly Wakanda's been... Like, it wasn't destroyed like they told T'Challa that it was. And when they do show up on Earth later on, their Earth looks relatively normal. But still, something has gone down there. If 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 as many Avengers are dead as a, are apparently dead, unless the Collector just stole their stuff. Yeah. Or maybe they all, like, like how... transported to that ship instead. That was, the, that was the only thing, and that was the part where I had to turn off my brain. Because I was like, okay, at this point in the timeline, Hela isn't even out of wherever she's trapped. Because right. Odin presumably isn't dead, if that's the only thing that's different. Well, it depends. Right? If Odin... Well, if, if yeah, Thor died... It's, it's, it's weird. The whole, the, whole thi- the whole thing with o- with Hela in Ragnarok is that Odin being alive is the thing that keeps her. And that was the point where I was like, okay, I could get pedantic about this all I want, or I could just be like, oh, it's cool! The collector's wearing Hela's headpiece. Like... Right. And I think it's a certain point you just have to be like, turn off your brain and stop thinking about it and just watch the cool fight scene that's happening. Well, if Thor yeah. died and Odin was still in the Odin sleep and then he died, that could have been it. Yeah, it's and it's that's the that's the thing is that it's hard to say without knowing what happened or kind of where exactly on the timeline they were, because we don't know just, you know, like the events ostensibly are taking place around the same time as like guardians one but we don't know it could be later on yeah it you could know? be i suppose you're right yeah um yeah i don't know but it was cool though i was like oh okay yeah. it was <laughs> it was it was one of those things where i'm sure like the, the the story team i can imagine them putting storyboards up on one of those walls you know and they're like okay but how, what has he got in this cabinet what can we have him do like how many different like powers and abilities do we have the opportunity to show yeah yeah and again it's just like at a certain point i mean that's the thing with comic books too right just comic books in general at a certain point you just have to be like this doesn't make a lot of sense but whatever it's cool you know yeah yeah we're not gonna worry too much about the details you know if we, yeah. we leave it vague enough it's fine yeah but um i really like this episode and i think the f- i mean it's chadwick boseman's last performance is t'challa which is something uh-huh. that can't really be ignored with this and i think he did such a great job yeah like it like felt he- like t'challa the entire time and know? and hearing like it's the same thing with um with Haley atwell playing peggy again hearing how excited chadwick was to reprise t'challa in a way that wasn't as the king of wakanda where he just got to go in and just be you know have a little bit more swagger have a little bit more fun with the role you know to be a little bit less regal it's like yeah, if if I were Chadwick, I absolutely would have jumped at that, you know, as well, just to have fun with it. And I'm glad that he did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to point out as well. He, it, you could the enthusiasm just leaps out off the screen. Like you can just tell how much fun he was having, and how I feel like grateful he must have been to have the opportunity to, to play T'Challa in a less taxing way um, in mm-hmm. that final year. Um, because it just opens your imagination to so much joy and fun and intriguing like possibilities. And I love the 
that in a sense, I don't know if it was written that way or if it just happened to be timely, but the way that T'Chaka speaks about um, T'Challa, like, even if you're gone, you'll always be there in the stars. It's like, oh, it hits you hard, obviously, because of what mm-hmm. happened, but I truly do believe that as well. Like, he will always be there, and, and it's just really beautiful to see him um, give us this one last gift. Um, and this episode, like, if I get again, if the first episode was just opening the door slightly, slightly opening ajar to the possibility of what if this one kicks it open, gives you Howard the Duck, gives you craziness, and then, mm-hmm. you know. And I, what I like about it as well is that it it never stops dialing up the bit of like the twists of the, and the craziness. And one of my favorite little moments was the ending with Peter Quill working in a fast food restaurant and yep. ego appearing, and it, the watcher being like, "It's a shame this means it's going to be the end of the universe." It's like, oh, what a great well, ending! They've, they've all kind of ended like that, right? Like they've all kind of had this thing, which I guess is very similar. I'm not super familiar with what if comics. I'm just kind of, I've just kind of heard of them. But I haven't read a ton of them. If my understanding is correct, that's kind of how What If Comics ended. It was just like, oh, <laughs> there's tons mm. of ramifications of <laughs> this. Yeah, well, thing. it's 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 very Twilight Zoney, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's like where it's like you have the twist, but then you have another twist, right? Like yeah, the, like like your actions have consequences, or like the ramifications of what we've seen. There are multiple layers to it. You know, it's like. Like the, the show is so well scripted. Like even if, you know, we talk about them like glossing over the details or just like having fun with it, but you can tell that the writer's room that they have for the show very clearly thinks through a lot of the ramifications of the, the types of stories that they're telling. You know, each mm-hmm. of these is like, may, each of these episodes may be siloed off, but they're all like thought through to a certain degree where they go to, okay, but what if this and what if this like this, they hang a little like red web with the strings on the wall, tracking all of the different changes that might be made based on the one little twist that they add at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think the biggest example of that would be episode three, in which we I think what's interesting about episode three is that we don't know what the actual we don't know what's different. Until yeah, we, we don't know what, what created the variance until the end. And that and was even then, I was thing. like, even then when N- Natasha's like, it's hope, it's all about hope. My my immediate thing is like, because Hope Man 9 in the comics is a villain, right? Mm-hmm. So my immediate thought is, oh, Red Queen or whatever her name is. Yeah. And then you realize it's Ant-Man and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It, you're a Tank Pym, rather. just And Hank Pym's wearing like a yellow jacket costume yeah a, a more yellow jacket-esque costume than an ant-man-esque costume yeah i really dug that episode i really liked it i thought it like, was cool ep- episode three like all four of the episodes are very strong but episode three is my favorite i feel like episode three is the most tightly plotted and it tells mm-hmm. like i mean i love like episode two is very good i love chadwick's performance in that but i feel like episode three all of the acting is on point like I, I mentioned it kind of at the top, all of the replacement voice actors that they have for roles that the main cast isn't coming back for, like the, the replacement for Tony Stark, the replacement that they have for Natasha, like they all sound really good and they sound in character. Um, and then the plot 
again, you follow it, it follows a perfect through line, but it has the twist because the twist is saved for the end instead of the beginning. It's it plays out like a mystery more than it like a okay, let's just rub our hands together and see where this goes. It's like we don't we the audience don't know what the twist is until the end of the uh, until the end of the episode, and then they hit us with another twist at the end of the episode. You know, it's like it's it's like the perfect balance of what a what if story can be by starting with something small and then blowing up into something bigger throughout the course of the episode. But it's so tightly plotted and scripted that you can follow it without like misunderstanding or there's no like leaps in logic or let's just, you know, let's just take hands off for a second, take your hands off the wheel and let it go where it goes. It's like it, this could have, could have happened in the, in the main MCU but it did, you know, exactly. It's, it's like the perfect example of exactly what this kind of show is trying to be, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think what adds to that point um, is the way that they picked the specific time frame. It's such one of those, be- it's like one of those perfect opportunities that first in phase one, that one week where the incredible Hulk, Iron Man two, four happen. Um, and I think <laughs> I, I just imagine the writer's room or like one of they're all lying down. One's on the table, one, two on the floor. And it's exactly like that scene in Endgame when Natasha's like, you do know that three of the stones are in the same place at the same time, right? Like, I just imagine yeah. it's the same with the Avengers. Like, do you know that for <laughs> Iron Man 2 and uh, <laughs> all of this happens? Incredible Hulk happened at the same time. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like it's such a great opportunity to delve into that little period and because again, like if you utilize that time and kill those characters, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And and I, I what I love about it as well is that it leaves you with consequences and it leaves you of your imagination to fill into the gaps. So you don't exactly know what's going to happen now, but you can imagine yeah. what could happen, and that's like part of the fun. I think one of the one of the great little fan theories that I saw spinning out of that episode was that the Loki from that episode is the President Loki we see in the Loki show. That's a great one. Yeah, That's a great one. I like that. I like that. <laughs> he gets his comeuppance one day with the, with the catching yeah. look of it all. Because the TVA would still be a thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Or like or like, if this was a timeline that the TVA originally pruned, but now that if, if depending on, you know, when Loki takes place, it might be one that's kind of just allowed to run course now. And that's how it started. You know, who knows? We can talk about that. that all day. Time travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I think what I love about this episode as well is that well, two things. Two things that really stand out to me with this episode. First of all, Lake Bell does an incredible job playing Natasha. Um, I don't know if you watched the Harley Quinn animated show, but she plays Poison Ivy, and she does an incredible job. Oh, I didn't realize that was the same person. Yeah, Lake Bell from she's in loads of stuff. Um, she was in an episode of New Girl. She's in loads of comedies. But she did a really great job at not only getting like a bit of Scar Joe in there, but but mainly Natasha. Like it felt very Natasha, which really helped me and like the way I processed the information. Like we did the Steve voice actor. The other thing I really liked was the fact that we finally, after all these years, got to see Yellow Jacket Hank Pym get yeah. slapped. That was get yeah. slapped himself. Like... Right, exactly. Like, because Yellow Jacket was such a big part of Hank's character arc in the comics, 
And I know that's like when Yellow Jacket in the MCU wasn't Hank Pym, a lot of people were like, oh, they're just kind of like, I, I don't want to say like whitewashing his character, but kind of like taking a step back from that characterization. Well, they did. That was the thing. I mean, that was the thing. They couldn't. Right. They, could, they couldn't have that scene me, in the of- MCU. No, you can't. You can't have Hank Pym be the character that he is in Ant Man if he if he turns into Yellow Jacket, right? Because you have that history. You can't have him be like. Unfortunately, the 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 the, the thing that Hank Pym did, he hitting Janet Van Dyne, is going to define that character for the rest of his existence. And there's no like going back from that, right? Right. But you can't have that in the MCU <laughs> with the character right. that they were setting up, and that's why they were like, okay, Scott Lang's going to be Ant Man, and a part of me is like, oh, okay, because Janet Van Dyne's my favorite Marvel character, specifically right. because of how she reacts to that situation and and and. Uh, a response to that situation rather not reacts um mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate that the hank and janet that we get in the mcu are so so far removed from like the the comics interpretation but at the same time it's like i get it right. <laughs> i understand like but to see hank pym be an asshole i was like that's my hank pym <laughs> right well and it's like he he it's one of those things where it's like he he has a reason right he has a motivation yeah. just like Dr. Strange does in episode four. It's like you, this is a, a man who like, we the don't know break. how, right. Right. Cause we don't know exactly when the Odessa mission took place because it's something that, um, in the main MCU, Natasha references, because that's the episode that in, it comes up in it's, winter it's, soldier. Yeah. It's the one where she's talking about how she got shot by the winter soldiers. So people right. kind of assume that hope got killed and set, hope was sent on it instead of Natasha and got killed by the winter soldier. Right. And, but it's like, we don't know when that took place in terms of the timeline of general timeline of events, except for the fact that obviously now before this particular week, but it could have been, was it years ago? Like, has it, has Hank been stewing on this for two years, three years, five years, you know? And like, also, I know that there, this was a plot point that a lot of people didn't like in the first Ant-Man that kind of gets just dropped and then never really brought up is the idea of the pin particles exposure to them affecting people's minds. Um, mm-hmm. and, Cause they mean, they mentioned that with Darren Cross is like, he's not the same person that he was when Hank was teaching him originally. And that's one of those things where you just wonder in this episode specifically, if Hank has been obsessing over getting revenge for so long, is that part of it where it's like, maybe the Hank, maybe the pin particles aren't like turning him into a bad person. They're just removing his inhibitions. I think the core difference here isn't necessarily like on a biological level, but emotionally, because you have to remember as well, Hank at this point in time is distant to hope because of what happened to, um, Janet. Right. And he's still under the impression that Janet died. So he has no idea right. that Janet can come back. He doesn't even know that she's still yeah. alive. And now his daughter's and, dead. And he was being which, distant to her. Which in this also means that Janet is trapped forever in the quantum realm. I don't yes. want to think about that. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> unless unless somebody else takes Hank Pym's technology, which that that's one of those ideas for like a sequel to this episode where you already have like like, still steals the ant-man suit right only he steals it from like the federal penitentiary where hank is being held and like they already have a proto avengers with nick that nick fury is trying to form with whatever version of captain america exists in this universe universe and captain marvel just add 
Scott Lang to that, you know, maybe Fury recruits him after he tries to steal the yellow jacket suit or some pin particles or whatever. And you can still have that part of the story. Only he's working for shield instead of for Hank Pym directly. Or Bill Foster. Yeah. Bill Foster. (gasps) Get Lawrence Fishburne back. Wait, no, they still save Janet. They still save Janet because ghost finds her in the quantum realm instead of ghost at ghost and Bill Foster find her in the quantum realm instead of Hank and hope. I just, I this just want to. This is just give... how I can justify Janet Van Dyne still being alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I just want to give Scott something to do so he doesn't end up being like a prison-bound, deadbeat dad in that universe as well, because that sucks for him. Like, because yeah. the, like, imagine, like, imagine Scott at this point. He's probably back in prison because he probably got caught trying to rob somebody else. Yeah, that's probably the likelihood. Bless his yeah. heart. Um. What you're saying as well, Ash, about like Hank and Janet, what I do appreciate about the MCU version of the characters is that it doesn't necessarily mean that the comic book ones that we grew to love and, you know, respect didn't exist. It just means that we didn't get to see many of their adventures. And that, for me... Well, I mean, I have... Don't get me wrong. I have significant problems with how they do Janet Van Dyne in the MCU. Like... (laughs) I mean, to be fair, we only had that uh, for like five minutes, and even then, she's like, you no, got a headache." It's, it's the fa- it's the fact that she's a scientist instead of a fashion designer because that's a quote unquote like more. <laughs> I don't know. That's the MCU thing to do. Um, and okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, like I no, I could go. This is not the episode to have this conversation, <laughs> but I could go Uh-oh. on for a very long time about how the MCU kind of. Uh, has a Janet Van Dyne that's a Janet Van Dyne in name only kind of thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's one of those things where they could wreck on it. I they could, like. they certainly could. Yeah, no, for sure. But I always was mad that they were like Janet was a brilliant scientist. I'm like Janet was a fashion designer, well, that and that's like, okay. That's a perfectly <laughs> acceptable choice for Janet well, Van Dyne. I was going to bring um, it up because I feel like if what if is what well, is a success. And we do know that Marvel are pursuing another animation project or a few animation projects. That would be a great one. Ant Man and Janet, like and yeah, Hank and and Janet as like young Ant Man and the Wasp in like the sixties. I'm still mad because there's concept art of them. There's concept art of them being in the the battle and Endgame, and they didn't do that. (laughs) I'd love like to have young like. We, but when I say young, I mean, not only is it the 80s version, but we get to see that the 60s helmet in action and maybe Janet has the yellow outfit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. And have like the six, have like Dominic Cooper back, have Hayley Atwell back as the, like the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. You have all these different people. I think it'd be really cool to have that. Um, yeah. yeah, I really love the episode. I love the way that it ends with a nice little nod to the captain. Um, and it, it, you'd be like, oh, okay, Captain America. Makes sense. And it's like, nope. Double captain, which could be a better team just by themselves, quite yeah. frankly. What Captain Marvel and Captain Carter? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Captain. Uh, well, Captain America and um, Captain Marvel. Yeah, because we yeah. don't know what Captain America is like in that version of the universe. Because apparently they're still on ice, so it could be somebody like Captain Carter. Who knows? Could be. It's true. Except this. Except Captain Carter was never frozen. Yeah, that's true. But maybe this version was. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. That's that's the thing with the show is it just opens up so many possibilities. Yeah. I want to talk before we run out of time here because we're we've been talking for forty five minutes. Uh, I want to make sure we talk about episode four because that was definitely my favorite episode so far. 
yeah, before we dive in like fully, to talk about what we were mentioning at the beginning in terms of voice actors, I think this is the pinnacle of like the MCU actors getting involved because I don't know if you know this, but like Benedict Cumberbatch has had a long, long, long history of doing radio work, like doing radio plays, radio comedies, radio mm-hmm. voice acting. Now, Hayley Atwell as well, like, they're, they're both worked on Big Finish, Doctor Who audiobooks, like from the early noughties, all this stuff. And I feel like those specific actors that have done radio work just lend themselves so well to these sort of stories. So yeah. for me, the animation design and just the voice acting of Benedict Cumberbatch was incredible. Yeah, you can you yeah. can def- you can definitely tell that not because not only does he do a great job with like Benedict Cumberbatch in general is just a, a great actor. Like give him given given a part with a good enough script, he will just light up the screen. But you can tell in this episode that like he plays two distinctly different versions of Doctor Strange perfectly. Like mm-hmm. you yeah, can, and you, you can, can tell the difference. You can close right. your eyes and tell the difference, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And that's not easy, especially because, I mean, you, there's a couple of lines where his accent slips a little bit, but otherwise he does it in a pretty decent American accent. And it's like, that's also not easy to do. So, you know, there, I think some of the, like some, some of his shouts, he, his accent slips a little bit, but otherwise it's pretty spot on. Yeah. That's just what if, See, uh, Doctor Strange's can... grandmother was English, <laughs> <laughs> and you can really tell that, like um, the stri- I don't know what we're calling evil Doctor Strange. I don't know what the the technical uh, Dragon Boy, name. I believe. Dragon Boy, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Gnome Eater Strange. Uh, a sad boy, Doctor Strange, and wait, no, oh. Doctor Strange is always a sad boy. That doesn't work. Um. <laughs> um so we've got evil Doctor Strange sounds noticeably more pained and yeah. like clearly slipping and then regular original recipe Doctor Strange, I guess. Um, <laughs> Classic Doctor Strange. crispy Doctor Strange. Before they changed it. <laughs> you got spicy Strange and original Doctor Strange, Strange. Doctor Strange Crystal. Doctor Strange Southern Style. <laughs> New Strange. That's just, just Benedict Cumberbatch talking like he did in August Osage County. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I think what's great about this one is that it also introduces the concept of absolute points, which again, to talk about Loki and stuff, I feel like this was an influence from stuff like Doctor Who, where you know mm-hmm. you got like fixed points in time, and this is an absolute point in time where that's what um, that's. I definitely thought of Doctor Who when they started talking about it. I was like, okay, I've seen this. I, I know what's going to happen, but let's like, yeah, let's know. see this play out a little bit. Yeah, I was almost wondering when the purple man from Jessica Jones was going to show up and go <laughs> on the little robot going, I'm back. I'm going to change time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I was like, oh, this is a really cool, sad point where you get to constantly see the death. Because I, I remember seeing, I watched reactions to the, the episodes as well because I just enjoy it. And seeing people being like, you idiot, just don't go that way in the car. And I'm like, come on, people, think about it. And it's like, oh, okay, like no matter what he does, it's just going to end in tragedy. Yeah, it turns it turns into like a Final Destination movie for like a hot five minutes. Yeah, and it's horrifying, right? Like, it's genuinely right. horrible. 
And like the like the last one is the worst because he's sitting in the passenger side. He is literally willing to die in order that she lives. Like he's mm-hmm. he's like he's willing to like okay if this is the only way that it'll work this is the way it'll work and that still doesn't work i think and there was a lot of i saw a lot of chatter online about like how it felt out of character for strange and i feel like i really couldn't disagree more because it's very clear in dr strange that he really really loves christine and cares Mm -hmm. about her a lot i think the only person that dr strange loves more than christine is himself yeah, no, because it, it, there's and even Wong. that thing where like he right and Wong, he loves Wong. Um, he thinks about him in that little like, memory. He, like... he gets, <laughs> he gets his, he gets like beat up because he refuses to give up the watch that she gave him. And then the end of the movie, you find out that it's like a watch. You know, like it's it says on the back. I just watched Doctor Strange. Is <laughs> how I know this. Like time will tell how much I love. That's you, what it says in the watch. Yeah, it says I just watched uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ash. No, but he clearly is like very much in love with her. It says, "Don't crash your car, lol." <laughs> <laughs> it says, "Don't text and drive, dumbass." <laughs> it's like um, the 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 knife twist that I read online, like the take that I read that I'm like, "Oh, that's awful," but I love it. Is that this is a version of Doctor Strange that is more selfless than selfish, and that costs him everything. Like he's. He's more willing, like he's put in a situation that the prime uh, MCU Doctor Strange isn't because we don't, you know, that for the, which is weird for this episode because the, the point break is different because it's not like, oh, the events of the film play out as we see them. No, the events of the film play out, but the ins the inciting incident is different it's not like something did or didn't happen it's like it's an actual it's, different point in time it's strange deciding that he can't like live with christine not being there kind of thing. right but it's like uh let's see uh let me see if i can find the the take that i read yeah here we go uh in this variant of strange was not nearly as much of an arrogant egotistical narcissist as the sacred timeline counterpart because this Steven didn't value his hands and by extension, his career and reputation as a neurosurgeon, as much as his Christine, him losing her had to serve as the catalyst of this reality's Dr. Strange to begin his path to become Sorcerer Supreme. So while our meaning the sacred timelines, Dr. Strange is somewhat rewarded for his initially selfish motivation, Strange Supreme gets punished for his fairly selfless motivation. Yeah. Interesting. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's selfish. still selfish. That's right. The, I was thinking about this a lot. I was thinking about like how much phase four so far has been about like love and what that means and like what it actually means to love someone. We've gotten like familial love and Black Widow and WandaVision of course is entirely about love and Loki's about like how love can make you a better person. Mm-hmm. or a worse person <laughs> you know right. and this i think was really about like wh- a selfish love is not really love right well, i mean strange even says it to like strange supreme right like like this is this isn't about you loving christine this is about your arrogant need to feel like you need to fix everything because you feel guilty right right and that was definitely the vibe i got from it like he loves christine genuinely but he lets that love uh, twist and manipulate in- into an unrecognizable person. I also and that think really it's... comes across when at the end when he sees when he's all like messed up and he's talking to Christine and Christine's like, get away from me. Right. You know? I, I also feel like my interpretation of the episode was that the 
dark Doctor Strange wasn't that universe's Doctor Strange necessarily, because that moment when he decides to potentially go back and change what's going on, the Ancient One splits him into two. And one side happens to be like, I guess, the good intentions, and the other one seems to be the darker intentions. That version of him lives Mm. for centuries and has time on his side, and that time is, you know, frustrated there's already darker feelings so the point at the end of the episode when he's connected again is like he, he's not exactly who he was when he did that if that makes sense because he's mm-hmm. he's starting to realize oh this isn't what and it's, this isn't it's also right. really it's also really interesting when you compare and contrast that with like the ancient one in dr strange who draws power from the dark dimension so she can stay alive and she does it here as well yeah, she does. And she she has good intentions. Like, in the movie, she's kind of redeemed in the sense of, like, she has that scene where she talks with Strange at the hospital and then dies. There's there's that kind of thing. But, the, but it, it's really interesting to compare the two of those uh, mm-hmm. kind of moments, I guess. Because the Ancient One basically did the same thing. She drawed on power that she should not have been and she had good intentions but in the end it doesn't matter it was still like wrong to do right and i think that's you know kind of an underrated kind of comparison that you can make maybe yeah that's not the right way to put no it's but it's i i I, yeah absolutely because like in this like the ancient one and like the way that it plays out obviously you know it can debate on whose fault is where because you know strange strange's motivation comes from a good place but the way that like centuries of obsession twist that into something dark is, you know, we've, I mean, we're both very familiar with a franchise where we've seen something like that play out over the course of three movies. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a, it's not an original story, but the way that the, it's told and the way that the layers of motivation of like, different versions of strange and like the ancient one and like the way that the powers interact with each other and like watching just how powerful someone can be if they have like nothing to lose except for one person if they're willing to sacrifice everything for that it's frightening and it leads to some incredible scenes incredible things but it's also very tragic yeah and yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a thing—a thing that we're getting in the MCU, at least in Phase Four so far. You know, I just feel like there's been like this. You could, you all could disagree with me, but I feel like there's been. I mean, Wandavision is definitely about like, <laughs> if you love somebody, let them go, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like Wanda, yeah. to, and Wanda in the end is not like Stephen Strange because she does let Vision go. You know, she lets mm-hmm. her kids go, and Loki is very much about like how love can actually like change a person dramatically. Having one person who like cares about you can dramatically change your life trajectory, I guess. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's like, it it is kind of like Loki, like they don't love each other enough, I guess maybe is the the message of Loki. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Or they're not willing to put their, uh, they're not willing to like love for Loki and for Sylvie isn't like their primary motivation. It's just yeah. kind of a tertiary thing that they're both experiencing and in so the way that they're experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. And, and Sylvie's not willing to like put aside Loki is like willing to like put aside the person that he used to be because of it. And Sylvie is not right. right? Like, and I think lo- love is, is more of a, 
I don't I don't mean this in, in a weird way, but like it's, it's almost like a byproduct of what I think Phase mm-hmm. 4 is doing, which is that I feel like the core elements of Phase 4, whether it's What If episodes or a film or a Disney Plus show, is is it's focusing on what makes a character like that character. With WandaVision, mm-hmm. it's what is what who is Wanda. And by that nature, we get to explore her love, her dreams, her hope, her desires, her, you know, the dark elements. And the elements. type of person that she is. She's not like Doctor Strange. She's no. not willing to, like, destroy the world for the sake of Vision, right? And the same and with it's a, Bucky. And it's also, like, showing who Vision is, right? And their relationship of them being kind of equal partners, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same with Bucky and Sam and... Um, I, I assume Shang-Chi and all this stuff. Uh, the thing, I'll, I'll read a thread for what I wrote for this episode of Doctor Strange because I feel like it best summarizes what I feel. And that way I don't have to like remember what I, was gonna, I already said. Um, <laughs> which was, I said um, on Twitter, while what if by its very nature deals with alternatives and differences, I think what's drawn to, what's drawn us to these stories is how they focus on the core aspects of these characters. That's why I adored this week's episode and how it delves into what makes Doctor Strange. Characters like ourselves are complex beings. We're not just good or evil, boring or interesting. We can be contradictory. What I love about Strange is how he's consistently balancing his responsibility as Sorcerer Supreme and his own desire to understand everything. He does take risks and doesn't always follow the book to the letter, but that's precisely why he's the best of us. He will ultimately strive to do what's right above all, even if he loses his path along the way, which this episode's, uh, this week's episode explored fantastically. It's also why I don't understand the shock people seem to have when it comes to Strange in the not, uh, No Way Home trailer. He's not acting out of the ordinary. That's precisely his character. It's what makes him interesting. The dual nature of being protective, but wanting to know. And then I just said, yeah. anyway, I'm excited for the Multiverse of Madness. And I feel like, yeah, that just summarizes like what I love about the character and why I feel like... I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. Like, what if it's clearly building up to some sort of culmination where these characters will meet? And I don't think this is the last time we're going to see that Doctor Strange. I mean, and I've I'm... already kind of gotten confirmation of that because of a still that they released. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, yes, and there's a trailer. But I just, I just want to be careful, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm so excited to see him potentially redeem himself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because I think at the end he's like, "Oh no, oh no, I messed up. Oh yeah. god, oh god." And, well, <laughs> and, 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 and to Charlie's point, the the most of the remorse that he feels at the end of the episode is after he's already like taken into himself the quote unquote good Doctor Strange of that universe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is that part of his like conscience, for lack of a better term, restored in him, and now is like, "Oh no." Oh no, this is bad. This should not be happening. I'm sorry. And the watcher's like, dude, you screwed up. Can we just talk and about something I can do? Well, first of all, Jeffrey Wright's well, we'll wrap this up quickly, but Jeffrey Wright's performance is just incredible. Oh, he's, he's perfect killing it as choice. He is perfect casting. Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. Right. But that I... that moment, the thing that I love about what if and what I love about the watcher as a character is you like the time lords again like with doctor who is that the whole basis of it is that he's basically the doctor of the time lords where it's like i'm not gonna get involved i'm not supposed to get involved i won't get involved we're all waiting until he does the thing where it's like (laughs) oh we're gonna get involved i think i put a jokey tweet about it where it's like i'm the watcher i watch over these vast multiverses but i cannot will not will never get involved 
Galactus, I'm hungry. Oh shit! <laughs> Fantastic Four. <laughs> Gotta call them in. No, that's the thing. That's the thing that's always really interesting about Iwatu specifically is that he's always like, can't get involved. Nope. Can't, can't. Oh god, they're doing something stupid again. Oh no, I got. Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> kill interfere a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> and like, but like that that line at the end of this fourth episode where he's like, "I'm not a god, and neither are you." It's mm-hmm. like it's so yeah. good because it so perfectly sums up the theme of the episode. It's like Strange was willing to try to break reality itself to save Christine and Watu's like no bad and smacks him with a newspaper it's like stop it don't and do honestly, that honestly somewhat uh, Stephen Strange is the kind of person where you need to be like you're not a god my guy right. you're not yes. like <laughs> like because like, even in, even even I'm gonna assume like MCU is sacred timeline right that's just what I'm gonna refer to it as but like right. even sacred timeline Doctor Strange does the same thing and Mordo mm-hmm. is like you you can't do that <laughs> And the ancient one does it. Yeah. And he's, and Strange is just like, watch me. And he walks away. Basically. And I mean, like, I think that's part of what's going to happen in, like, collectively No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness is Stephen Strange is going to have to deal with the ac- the consequences of his actions. Because yep. yep. he's like, God. There's a multitude. Well, yeah, there's a multitude of what it means. Like, Mordo's got good intentions. He doesn't want to see power misused, but he's also doing pretty horrible things, like, Getting rid of oh, yeah. someone's ability to walk again and be like, I'm the good guy. Not great. <laughs> and the same right. way Strange fucks stuff up, but at the same time has basically saved the universe. <laughs> it's it's complicated, and that's what's no, great about these characters. Time, it's like, okay, how far is too far? You know? Like Exactly. Well, and that's the thing I'm actually really interested. I mean, I've I've been saying this since WandaVision came out. I think it'll be really funny if I mean I find it actually hilarious that people online have been like Oh, it just showing like a picture of like a tired old man or something. It's like Steve, uh, Doctor Strange when he realized that Wanda and Loki have been fucking with the multiverse, and then you find out that oh no, <laughs> <laughs> we said and that I've for said ages, didn't we? I said there's a I've, multiverse I've, of Doctor Strangers not doing their job. Yeah, no, I, I've, <laughs> I, I've said from the beginning. I think it'll be really funny if multiverses of madness is just Wanda coming in like, what? Hi, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> Like my but, kids yeah. are back, but they're like. <laughs> te- I honestly teenagers. think. I mean, I saw I saw a post the other day that was like it was it was like Loki. Sta- it was like a TikTok. It was a bit like Loki just standing there watching strange Peter, Wanda, and Sylvie fuck up the multiverse and just have a moment of being like, "Am I, am I the responsible one?" Because <laughs> <laughs> so far, the only person we've seen show restraint towards the multiverse is Loki. <laughs> Again, I'm just yes. glad that retroactively <laughs> Spider-Man 2 references Doctor Strange. like Because now we know that it's there's a multiverse. There's probably a Benedict Cumberbatch in the Sam Raimi-verse. <laughs> and that makes me happy. <laughs> but it's taken! Um, well, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Overall, are we all excited for more episodes of What If? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Marvel as we're recording this, Marvel Zombies is this week. Yeah. I'm very excited. Which about is that. the episode that they've said is most closely based on a specific comic story. But just seeing that comic story, even if it like we know it's not going to be just a straight adaptation, they're going to twist in there yeah. somewhere. So yeah, like I think I think one of the the figures was released was spider man with the cloak of levitation with the caption zombie hunter spider man <laughs> i'm like okay 
that's interesting. I'm down. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I re- just yeah, like I don't know if you've ever read the Marvel zombie stuff, and like the overall like I, one of the jokes I made today was Kelly Knox uh, put up because she did the really great Marvel monsters book that came out this year mm-hmm. and was like when doing research on all the Marvel monsters around the galaxy and the universe, it's they were the most scariest ones, the Marvel zombies. And I just posted like this really obscure joke, which was that ultimate Doctor Doom. And then I posted the gif of like the dog doing the Vietnam look, which looks up in the distance like, oh my God, I've seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you, do you remember, do you ever read the ultimate um, Fantastic Four comics? No, nah, yeah. no, nah, I haven't. No. So they there was they opened the when they discovered the multiverse, they accidentally opened the gateway to, to the Marvel Zombies universe, oh, and no. they booted Doctor Doom in there. Like, see ya. <laughs> the poor little goat hind leg Doctor Doom uh, was trapped there. Oh, until I he... forgot that Ultimate Doctor Doom has goat legs. Oh God. And then he came. He came back in the Miles Morales book before Secret Wars, and then. I don't think he's been seen since. But Reed Richards is still around in the 616. The evil Reed Richards is one of my favorite characters. The maker. The maker, baby. He's so good. The maker is one of my favorite characters. I hope they bring the maker into the MCU. That'd be great. It'd be funny if they put put the maker in before the actual Fantastic Four. Well, we've seen seen it. That's what I think is funny. Everyone's like... When we watch WandaVision, that's like, Reed Richards is going to be in it. And everyone's like, you idiot, they're not going to put a Richards in the MCU yet. And then, like, and then the Loki is like, <laughs> you were saying? There is, Richards, a, there is a Richards in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm see two. We've lost the plot. We've lost the plot so much. We should probably wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, that's all we have time for this week. Where can people find you and your content, Ben? Uh, well, you can probably find most of it through my Twitter. I don't post there a lot, but anything important that I go that I do goes through there. You can just find me at Ben Warman on Twitter. What about you, Ash? Uh, you can find me at tw- on Twitter at Ash Jeffies, and uh, you can, if you want to, you can check out my other podcasts, which are Rogue Podron, which is a Star Wars book club podcast. And OS Team, which is a podcast that talks about video game music. Uh, both of those don't post super consistently, but. <laughs> When they post, I tweet about it. So my Twitter is probably the best place that you can find all that stuff. Perfect. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CMWASHPY and on Instagram at CharlieMWAshby. I host the Imperial Senate podcast, the quirky Star Wars podcast, which you can find on all podcasting platforms, as well as on Twitter at ImpSenatePod. You can support me on Patreon and Kofi with links to those found on the link on my Twitter bio. We'll be back next week to discuss other alternate realities. But until then, let's all make ours marvel. See ya!